Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. Today I want to read from Acts chapter 2. Classic text for spirit-filled churches like ours. Dr. Luke writes in this gospel, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind, and that sound filled the house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them cloven or divided tongues like fire, as of fire. And imagining in your mind, and one flame of fire sat upon each of the people in that room. And here's the verse that it's glorious. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Watch it. And began as if something is starting and continuing. And they began to speak with other tongues as that spirit who had just filled them gave them the utterance. Can you say praise the Lord to his wonderful word this morning? Amen. You can be seated. The reason why I bring that text to you and why I mentioned that today is a special day is because on the church calendar, today is Pentecost Sunday. Now, I know this is Memorial Day weekend, and tomorrow is Memorial Day. And so we remember those who are who have given their lives in, in service for our country. And, and I just want to take a minute to recognize those who have served. I just want to take this moment before I talk about the day of Pentecost to just say I am grateful for those who serve in our armed forces. And anytime you get an opportunity to thank them or if you see a police officer, thank them for their service. And I appreciate, and especially those who gave their lives and lost their lives, whether that was in combat or they served and they've gone on, they've died, we're grateful. We remember them this weekend. Memorial Day is not just about grilling and having a day off and going to the lake. Those are subsidiaries. What we do is we remember those who served. And so we do that this morning. But this weekend is not just Memorial Day weekend, but on the church calendar, today is Pentecost Sunday. And so consequently, it's appropriate as your pastor that I talk to you about the day of Pentecost and as well the importance of Pentecost specifically to you and then generally to the church, our church and the church. And I just want to say today, I'm proud to be Pentecostal. I'm, I'm not an ashamed Pentecostal. There are some people that act like they're ashamed to tell people that they go to a Pentecostal church or that they are spirit-filled. I am not ashamed that I am spirit-filled. I'll tell anybody, I'll talk to anybody. If they make fun of me, I'll just find something about them and make fun of them. I'm pretty good at it. And, and then we'll laugh, and then I'll say, you're not going to, you know, whatever you're going to say, just don't worry about it, because you're not going to get to me. I'm a tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled, holy roller. Call me what you want. I'm, I'm one of those. And I thank God I'm filled with the Spirit of the living God. I thank God for it. 
Thank God for the change it made in my life. It made a dip. Did he make did he make a difference in you? I became a different person when God filled me with his spirit. I couldn't preach without the Holy Ghost. I couldn't sing without the Holy Ghost. I couldn't minister without the, the power of the Holy Spirit. The anointing that he gives makes the difference in my life. And so I know that we're often misunderstood. I know that we're often misrepresented. I know some people think Pentecostals handle snakes. We don't. Anybody watching online, we don't. I shoot snakes. I don't handle them. I'll handle them if they're dead, carry them out in the woods and throw them away. But people think, you know, I, I, I know it's happened to me, it's happened to you because some of you have told us, told me, you'll tell, where do you go to church? High praises. What kind of church is that? It's Pentecostal church. Do y'all handle snakes? How many times has it happened to y'all? And I don't know where that comes from because there's just like a sliver of the segment of Pentecostals that handle snakes. They're up in the mountains somewhere in Kentucky. But we don't handle snakes. We're not a cult. You know, people said, y'all are a cult. No, we're not a cult. If you look at our declaration of faith, it is fundamental evangelical. You can lay it up next to a Southern Baptist declaration of faith, and it almost reads the same. I know because I've looked at it. So we're rock solid in our theology, but oftentimes we're misunderstood. But I just want you to know, for me, I am Pentecostal because I desperately want and need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to enable me, to empower me, to fulfill my call on my life. And you have the same call. And what is it? To witness of Jesus to a lost and dying world. And I'm talking about our co-workers and our family members and our friends. I want the power of the Holy Ghost to help me to do that effectively. And I need the power of the Holy Ghost to enable me to minister to people, <clears throat> yes, supernaturally, to help them meet their needs. And so I just thank God for Pentecost and to be spirit-filled. But I just want to talk today about the day of Pentecost, the, 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 what we just read in Acts chapter 2. Let's just examine it for a while. So let's talk about what happened prior to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Several things occurred that helped set the table. Jesus had died on the cross. He had been buried in a tomb. Three days later... He rose from the dead, came out of that tomb, and then he showed himself alive for 40 days with many infallible proofs. That's what's happened. And then he ascended to heaven. But before ascending to heaven, he instructed his disciples to go back to Jerusalem and tarry or wait until they are endued with power from on high until they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. When I got dressed this morning at the end of May in South Carolina and I had to put a sweater on, it was 58 degrees. I got back from Seabrook and Leah was looking at the weather. She said, it's warmer here now than it was down there. And so when I put this sweater on this morning, I clothed myself. That's what it means to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. God clothes you 
with his spirit and his power. Think about that. You're clothed with supernatural divine power. It's not sinking in yet. When you got the power, you can do something with the power. When you got the power, you got to let the power flow. And when the power flows, then the environment is affected. Acts 1.8, Jesus said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall be witnesses to me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the earth. There was these concentric circles, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the entire world. So the disciples obeyed the Lord. He went back to heaven. They went to Jerusalem. Somebody had an upper room in a building, and they met together. We don't know the exact number every day, but when the day of Pentecost came, there was about 120, so we can assume that group more or less was there every day. And they did what the Lord told them to do. They prayed. It was a prayer meeting. The 11 apostles were there. Judas had went out and hanged himself. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. The women who followed the Lord were present. The Jesus' biological brothers showed up. And I'm just going to take my time today and teach, preach to you. Is that okay? I, I hope I can get through this material, but I don't want to get in a hurry today. Is that all right? Okay. It's raining. What are you going to do? There are two things to me that are noteworthy. Number one, they had to wait about a week for the promise to come to pass. It's kind of hard to figure out because from Passover to Pentecost is 50 days. Pentecost means 50. There are 50 days. And Jesus showed himself alive for 40 days before he went back to heaven. That leaves 10 days. Okay? But we also know he was in the tomb for three days. So somewhere between seven days to ten days remain. And so they were in that upper room praying. Now here's what is interesting to me, and I just really want to, I feel very, as a matter of fact, I got up this morning and I worked more on my sermon this morning, early, the early hours this morning, God giving me things at this point. As a matter of fact, if I can get through this, I'll, I'll try to get through the rest of the message. But I feel a burden right now. To talk, to talk to you about what I'm going to talk about, these, these two points. Is that, is that sobering enough for us, saints, my church? Okay, day one, they're praying. I don't know how long they prayed. Maybe they prayed all day. They prayed. They cried out to God, seeking the Lord. God, fill us with the Holy Ghost. Baptize us with the Holy Ghost. Baptize us over the Holy Spirit. Nothing happened. Nothing. Now, how deflating would that be? Well, I prayed for the Holy Ghost and nothing happened. I've had people tell me that. So it must not be real. Or I've got to find some other explanation. Well, maybe you're impatient. Day two, they prayed. Nothing happen they might have they might have prayed eight hours day three 
It'll happen today, whatever it is, because nobody had ever been filled with the Holy Ghost. Nothing happened. It was a challenge to their faith. It was also a challenge to the level of obedience. Do you do what is comfortable and convenient and what works for you? Or do you do what God tells you to do and you keep on even when you don't see or feel or know any effect, but you just keep on doing it because God said keep on doing it. And so they kept on doing it until the day of Pentecost came. And what they were praying for was realized. So why weren't they filled right away? Why doesn't God fill you when you pray first time? Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. It was a timing thing. He wanted to fill them on the day of Pentecost. Because the Jewish feast of Pentecost is connected with the harvest. Anybody connecting dots? And he wanted them to see that I am filling you with the Spirit for you to go witness. And I'm going to empower you to reach the harvest of souls for, for me through the gospel. There's significance with Pentecost. So some of us thinkers say, well, then why didn't he just tell them to go the day of Pentecost? Terry in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost <clears throat> until you are filled with the spirit and the power of God. Why didn't he just say that? Because he's God and he can do whatever he wants to do. You don't question and say, well, if I were God, but you're not. You're his son, his daughter, his servant. And you can sing all day long about how you'll serve him and do what he says to do, but when the rubber meets the road, do you do it? And so you pray until he fills you. If it takes a day, a week, a month, or years, you pray. And you seek, and you call it to the Lord. It was a timing thing. You may have to wait to be filled with the Spirit, but don't be impatient, brothers and sisters. Don't be doubtful. Don't give up easily. Make up your mind. Be persistent. Be determined. I'm going to pray until this happens because it is a promise. Remind God of that. This is a promise and you are a promise keeper. And this will happen to me. And how many of you know God is faithful? God is faithful. And listen, listen to me. I'm helping you. And when the timing is right, God will fill you with a life. Anointing of God all over me. God will fill you with the Holy Spirit. It'll happen. It'll happen. That's the first thing to me that's noteworthy. Good, how about, good things come to those who wait, by the way, right? Second, very noteworthy. Mary, Peter, Andrew, James, John, Martha, they were praying for something they knew very little about. Jesus had preached about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but so they had some head knowledge, but the reality is they had no experiential knowledge. They didn't know what to expect. None. They're praying for something that they don't know what's going to happen. And, and for us, when we get saved and then we pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, 
we don't know what's going to happen either experientially until it happens. Okay? I've told people when PTL was running. You remember Jim Baker and PTL? Some of you don't have no idea what that is. Google it. But they had this big amusement park. It was the biggest Christian amusement park in the world up in Charlotte. And I don't, I don't know if I took my youth group up there or whatever, but I went up there. They had, I think, the world's highest water slide at the time. And I went up on that thing, and I got up there, and I looked down, and I said, oh, God, what have I done? And I was ready to go back down. But there's a whole line of people, and I got my little mat or whatever, and I'm up there, and there are people behind me, and now they're all, you know, little kids are up there. You can't be outdone by an 8-year-old. I was terrified. I didn't know what to expect. I had never been down a water slide before. But I jumped on that thing by faith and was obedient because they said slide. And down I went. It was terrifying and exhilarating all at the same time. It was the greatest rush. And when I hit that big pool at the bottom, I didn't jump up and say, I'm never doing that again. I grabbed my mat. I said, that was awesome. Let's go do that again. And I went right back up and did it three or four more times. You cannot let the fear of the unknown or your lack of understanding excuse you or stop you from seeking to be filled with the Spirit of the living God. I'll go ahead and clap. You feel like a clap. Part of being in a Pentecostal church, you can clap. Can't be a, you, can't, you can't be scared. You have to trust God. Be obedient. The Holy Spirit is God. I don't know what I'm getting. Yes, you do. You're getting God. Matter of fact, I'll get to this in a minute. He's already inside of you. I'll get to that in a minute. Now, let me just touch on this because God dealt with me about this. There are some people who believe that the baptism with the Spirit occurs with salvation. That it's a package deal. That the events in Acts are standalone events that were just for them and they had special significance. But since that ended, when you get saved, that's when you are also baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's not our theology. We're part of the church of God. That's not our theology. That's not the theology of high praises. And here is what the Lord dealt with me this morning, early. I, so I, I just, I'm taking my time here because God dealt with me today. The Lord did. That concept that you don't have to pray or ask because it, you, get this, you get this infilling when you get saved doesn't line up with Jesus' words in Luke chapter 11, verse 13. When talking to unsaved people, Jesus said, if you then, and he's, the whole context is about prayer, talking to God. He said, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children when your children come to you and ask you for something, that's the whole context, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You have to ask him. 
to receive the Holy Spirit. Did you get that? That's in your Bible. It's not a package deal. Jesus said, you pray and ask the Father to give you the Holy Spirit, and He will give you the Holy Spirit. So don't be afraid to ask the Father to fill you with the Spirit of the living God. Again, I'm going to get in this in a minute. You are, when you get saved, you're already a recipient of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. So there's more to this, and I'll get to that in a minute. There's got to be some, but I'm just telling you, it's very difficult for me to try to line up with that when I'm saying it is something in addition to being saved. Dr. Charles Stanley just died recently. Y'all know who he is? Pastored First Baptist in Atlanta for four million years. He was like he's been there forever. He's just a great long-term pastor. Great pastor, great preacher, great teacher. Now, there are a couple of things he and I, wouldn't, we would not have seen eye to eye on. He believes in, believed in unconditional eternal security, which I do not. Okay, once saved, always saved. He wrote a book on it. I read it. I disagree with everything in it. And then he wrote a very good book, par- partially good book, on the Holy Spirit. And I have it, had it, read it, and a lot of it I agreed with. There was part, parts of it I did not agree with. I wrote a lot in the margin of his book, writing, countering some of the things that he wrote because he's not a spirit-filled Pentecostal preacher. He, he doesn't believe. He's Southern Baptist, doesn't believe like we believe in this church. But I'll tell you one thing that I do know because I read his book. Charles Stanley, if he were here today, would say, now, I don't agree with Pastor Sistar about, you know, getting filled with the Holy Ghost the way y'all do with speaking in tongues and all. He said, but he's right. You have to ask to be filled. And that's in his book. There, there, is, there is an asking that has to take place. But the difference between he and I would be, yes, but that filling is more than, he, he thinks it happens, but there's no manifestation. I think there's a manifestation and, and we believe there's a manifestation. So those are two things that are noteworthy. When the day of Pentecost, let me talk about the day of Pentecost. It's, it's 1055. We'll get out of here about 12, so hold on. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. Let's break this, these four, four verses down. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. Pentecost was one of three major feasts where all Jewish males were required to go to Jerusalem. So on that day, thousands of men were there. Their their objective was to go to the temple. However, 120 Jewish people did not. That's the disciples of Jesus. They're in that upper room praying. And the Bible says they were all with one accord in one place. That means having a unanimous sense to them. Having mutual consent in agreement. We would say that everybody in that room was on the same page. They were all praying together in order that they would receive the Spirit of God. It was a group effort on this particular occasion. Now, I don't think that the only way you can get filled is that you have to be in a group. God fills people individually. This was a special day. But I do know that God does great and supernatural things when the church is on the same page. You know why God has done so much at high praises in our 24 going on 25 years? It's because we've stayed on the same page. The unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, it's amazing what you can get done. 
And I believe the Spirit is poured out on churches that are unified and where everyone is seeking God and seeking His will. And they were in one place. They weren't in five separate places. They were together. So let me just put a punch in here one more time. Something powerful happens when God's people get together. You can expect to receive something from God in the gathering of His people. Let me make that punch. That's a good reason to come to church. Preach this on a weekend when people are gone on vacation and Memorial Day weekend. Hallelujah. So they get, they get a pass because it's a holiday and whatnot. But otherwise, get to church because good things happen in, say it, church. And Luke says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Let's break that down. Suddenly, when they least expected it, I wrote in my notes, God will fill you with his spirit when he's ready to fill you. So that means you have to stay on ready. Let me tell you a story about a member we had here. He wanted to be filled with the spirit. Um, he desired to be filled with the spirit, but God had not filled him yet. And he told me his story. And he said one morning he was riding to work in his car. He was holding a donut and a cup of coffee that he was drinking he said he had been praying every morning on the drive to work, asking God to baptize him in the Spirit. And he said, Pastor, I had just about given up on that morning. But he said, I guess God saw. And he said, with a donut in one hand and a cup of coffee in the other, I don't know how he was driving. He said the Spirit of the Lord came on him, and he began to speak in tongues, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost with a donut and a cup of coffee driving down the road that morning. You can't give up. Come on, give God praise. You got to have faith. Suddenly it can happen to you. A sound from heaven, like a hurricane force wind, yet people think, well, was there a wind blowing in the room? No, there was no wind. The curtain remained still. But there was a sound of a wind, and it filled the house. And the wind is a type, a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Read that in John 3. I've learned that the sounds of the Spirit can precede the baptism with the Holy Spirit. It can happen to you with the sound of anointed singing in church or anointed music or anointed preaching or shouting or praying. Sometimes those are the sounds that precede the infilling of the Spirit. And then it says there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. It wasn't fire. It was like fire. And a tongue sat on each of them, and tongues of fire equal the glory of God. If you read in Exodus 24, 17, Moses said, The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. That was on Mount Sinai. How many of you understand you were created to carry the glory of God? You understand you, let me put it in New Testament terms. You were created to shine Jesus. Everything about you should shine and reflect Jesus to those around you. And so this glory of God, this sound of the force of God and the glory of God is sitting upon each of them. And, 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 and that's interesting because there's an individualistic nature of the Pentecostal experience. And that's why I said while you can get filled in a group setting, it can also be while you're alone. There's an individualistic nature. 
I guess I want to say it to you this way. God has a spirit-infilling experience just for you. There is a guy who lived at the end of the 19th century, coming into the 20th century. And if you've ever, never read about him, you ought to read about him. His name was Smith Wigglesworth. I love his name. Because that means you're going to go buy some worms and you want to get your Wigglesworth. That's what I always said about that guy. He was from England, and he was a plumber, a plumber, blue-collar worker, had his own business, but he got saved, and there was a Pentecostal movement in England, a spirit-filled movement that was happening in the late 1800s into the early 1900s, and he got in a church and became exposed to that and was baptized with the Holy Ghost. Spoke in tongues. That's how I said. That's how I knew. I spoke in tongues, and God filled me with the Holy Spirit. He was he was not only a plumber, but he had been preaching. God had called him to preach, so he was preaching. He was a very effective preacher, very effective witness. But he said, "Now, when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, he said something powerful happened to me." He went home and he told Mrs. Wigglesworth that he had been filled with the Spirit, and she was a skeptic and a critic, and she judged him chastised him. He was to preach that night, and his wife would always sit on the platform with him. She said, I'm not sitting up there with you tonight. She was ill about it. And she sat on the back row of the church. And when it came time to preach, Smith Wigglesworth got up, now baptized with the Holy Ghost, and began to preach. And he preached under the power of God like he had never preached. As a matter of fact, Mrs. Wigglesworth said, who is that man? That is not my Smith. Who is that guy? That is somebody else. He gave an altar call, told them to stand. Uh, a matter of fact, no, he, said he was giving an altar call, and a man stood up and said, I want that. And when he did, he fell out. Fell out under the power of God. See, you know, people think we're crazy. This is in the late 1800s in England. He fell out under the power of God. Well, other people stood up because they wanted it, and every time anybody stood up, they fell out. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. They're falling down every time they stood up. Well, Mrs. Wigglesworth tried to stand up. And Mrs. Wigglesworth went out. And that night, God baptized Mrs. Wigglesworth with the Holy Ghost. Y'all feel what I feel in this house this morning. Y'all feel it on the, on, <laughs> there at home? I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. There is a feeling for you. It's not just for your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, the preacher, the deacon, or the elder. Peter said the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off as many as the Lord our God will call. If you've been called to be saved, you're a candidate for the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Come on, give God praise in this house. Hallelujah. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the words to say, the utterance. Everybody was filled. No one was excluded. This is reminiscent of Joel 2.28. In the last days, says the Lord, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. He'll pour it out on black flesh. He'll pour the spirit out on white flesh, brown flesh, rich people, poor people, middle class people, young people, old people, Educated people, uneducated people, new converts, seasoned saints. He'll pour out the Spirit 
on you if you'll just believe. He'll pour out his spirit on the one that was raised in the church and the person who has absolutely no church background whatsoever. Matter of fact, the one with no background might, might get filled quicker than the one with the church background because you don't know any better and you just go ask God and believe and it'll happen. You have no baggage to hold you back. I've made reference to this a few times, so now let me address it. If you are saved, you have the Holy Spirit. If any man does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Romans 8. Romans 8. And so you are you have the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in you, listen to me, by the Spirit. Remember when you prayed and said, Jesus, come into my heart? Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, but how did he come into your heart? The Spirit of Jesus came inside of you. So you have a measure of the Spirit. Now, this is where people get, this is where people get bogged down. So what does that mean? Does that mean that I'm half filled with the Spirit and i got to get all the way filled as is he like a measuring cup? You're thinking in the wrong metrics. It's not about amounts. It's about the measure of the dynamic and the operation of the Spirit in you. See, when you're, when you're saved and the Spirit comes inside of you, you have, you have a power that helps you to be like Jesus. He produces the fruit of the Spirit he helps you to overcome sin, to, to make right choices. There, there is a power of God that is working in you to help you to be like Jesus. I'm going to say some things I've never preached before that the Lord gave me early this morning. I love to talk about the anointing. And classically, in classic Pentecostalism, we have relegated the anointing to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That if you, Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me. See, so we've, we've taken that. But you read in 1 John, he says, you have an unction, an anointing from the Holy One. I believe that there are measures of operations of anointing for you. I believe that you can have an anointing on your life as a born-again believer. The, the power of God working in you to help you to, to achieve or become certain things. Are you with me still? I don't know why, but God in his wisdom said, but there is another dynamic, another level of operation that you can have, but you got to ask for it. Are you with me? Where I will clothe you with power so that you can be an unbelievable witness for me and you can operate in the supernatural gifts of the Spirit. Y'all with me? And so, you say, well, why would God do that? I, I don't know. But as a man who's 57 years old and spent my entire life in the Pentecostal movement, here's what I know. There are lots of quote-unquote Pentecostal church people who are just completely satisfied with being saved and going to heaven, and that's it. They're, they're, they just want to be saved and go to heaven, and that's it. Just being honest. Might be you. But then you get those people that show up at high praises who come out of a non-Pentecostal church, and this is if it's happened to me once, it's happened to me more times than I can remember. They say, I like what I feel here, and we're coming here because we want more. 
I'm operating in this unction. I'm operating in what I've got. The church where I was at, they don't talk about anymore. And I feel like I've reached a place. It's wonderful and God's working in my life. And I'm flowing in that anointing to live for, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. (laughs) I'm about to shout. But there's got to be more. And I said, you come to the right place. There is more. There is another level. There is another dimension. There is is a greater operation of the Holy Spirit. It's called the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Where God will, if you want to, I want to do more for God. I want to be used by God. I want to be that person that God can count on and use and not care what anybody thinks. And then those people begin to pray, God, fill me with the Holy Ghost. Use me, God. I want to be that person. That's why I worry because second generation Pentecostals are some of the hardest ones to reach. Sometimes it's our kids because they grow up in it and they're around it and they and we never they never have their own experience. They're just living off of mom and dad's experience. And we skip a generation. I have seen it. It worries me. It bothers me. And then you'll get somebody who comes in the same generation but comes from a, from a context where there's none of that and they get a taste of this and they get on fire saying, well, how do I get this? What do I do? And they're down here praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Did I tell you the story about our state youth director had, uh, was doing youth camps? I don't remember which state it was. Dad used to tell this story. But it was one of our states. They're doing Church of God youth camps and these gang members showed up, inner city gang members. Well, they got saved. And so the gang member went back and told the guys, you need what I got. Go to the front. And they got to do what the gang, it was a gang leader. They got to do what the gang leader said. They all went up front and got saved. Then he got down there and got baptized in the Holy Ghost. He said, all right, I want that baptism in the Holy Ghost thing. He said, okay, I'm going to pray for you. Ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. He did. He starts speaking in tongues. He's the inner city gang guy. He went back to the guy and said, come up here. We need the Holy Ghost. Took the gang up there, and they're up there praying for the Holy Ghost. It's, it's sometimes we're our own worst enemy. You can be full of the Spirit. That's why, whatever reason, the Bible calls it being filled with the Spirit. There's the fullness of the operation and the work of the third person of the Godhead in your life. And that's why in Ephesians 5.18, Paul said, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Mm, I'm wanting to preach something so bad, my wife would be kicking me under the table right now saying, don't do it, don't you say it. not going to do it, but I want to do it so bad. No, don't come on me. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Our own denomination, we've got Church of God preachers that are struggling with this. We've got some that Classical Pentecostalism, not everybody does. So let me be fair. Not every denomination does. 
Hey, I like Dr. Robert, or he's not a doctor, but Robert Morris, Pastor Robert Morris out in Dallas. I, I like that guy. We've been to his conferences so many times, but he doesn't believe you have to speak in tongues to be filled with the Spirit. Jack Hayford did not believe. You know, Jack Hayford died this past year. Jack Hayford didn't believe you had to speak in other tongues. They, they didn't believe it was the initial evidence. It, they believed it could be an evidence, but it wasn't the initial evidence. In classical Pentecostalism, Assemblies of God, the Church of God, the Church of God of Prophecy, the Pentecostal Holiness, the Church of God in Christ, which is the largest uh, Pentecostal, black Pentecostal, they're huge, the black denomination, huge, Pentecostal. The, the, the belief is that, that the initial evidence, not the only evidence, but the evidence that lets you know is that you speak in tongues. And that's something I think every individual just has to work through. And I'm telling you, people... There are people in other parts of the world that don't struggle with this. This seems to me to be an American issue. Because you go overseas, and they don't have a problem with this. I, I want to tell 40 stories. I want to keep you here till 12. I went, Josh Trammell and I went to Honduras. I had already preached twice in the mountains. I took two sermons with me, and Josh was going to preach to a bunch of young people in San Pedro Sula in Honduras, and we went to a pizza hut, and they had homemade, everything was pizza hut ingredients except the bread stick sauce, and Jack and Nancy and I didn't eat that, but Josh Trammell was eating that like it was going out of style. A few hours later, he's supposed to preach that night. We get back to the room, and he's going, oh, pastor, I'm sick. I can't preach tonight, and he's headed to the bathroom. I said, you got to preach tonight because I don't have a sermon, and you're supposed to preach. He, oh, and he's going in the bathroom. I'm standing outside the door and saying, but you can't be sick. <laughs> he was sick, got Montezuma's revenge. Jack, you remember this? Like Jack gets me in the car. I leave. I kidded him later because we went the end of January or 1st February. It was the college football playoff that night. When I come in, he's watching ESPN Desportes. Watching them play. I said, you aren't sick. You just want to stay home and watch the college football game. So I've I'm, I'm got my Bible. And I'm standing there. And this is a room. This is a church filled. The majority of them were children and teenagers. And I'm on the front row. And they're singing. And I've got my Bible. And I'm saying, God, what do you want me to preach tonight? God, you got to speak to me. What do you want me to preach tonight? God, what do you want me to preach tonight? Please, you got to speak to me. I got to get up tonight. I'm not ready. I'm not prepared. I mean, I mean, we can do something, but and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, "Turn around and look." And I turned around and looked. He said, "What do you see on their faces?" I couldn't speak to these people. And I looked and by the eye, by the eyes of the Holy Spirit, I said, "God, I know what I see. I see hunger." He said, then preach on the baptism with the Holy Ghost. I said, I can preach that. I got up that night with a translator, and I preached on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I gave an altar call, and if you can imagine an altar like this, and they were four and five deep, they came running to the altars. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm about to give an altar call. I'm not going to tell you all these stories. I'm going to tell you one story. They, they came running four and five deep, 
and I'm trying to give them directions. You know, the American's going to tell them what to expect and what to do. I'm up there trying to talk to them, and they're down there in Spanish praying like their coattails are on fire. Teenagers and children, four and five deep. I finally turned to the translator. I said, forget it. Forget it. Just forget it. And I went down on the floor, and I started laying hands on these children. I started laying hands on these teenagers and praying for them. I'm in English, and they're in Spanish. Every once in a while, I could go, in el nombre de Jesus, santos. I could do some of that, you know. I got a few, little few things I could do. But that's all I could do. And as I was laying hands on them, suddenly I heard a shift in the sound of their dialect. Suddenly, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost getting all over me right now. Suddenly, the tone changed. And I said, that's not Spanish. I recognize that language. I speak that language. That's a heavenly language. That's the language of the Holy Ghost. And God filled them with the Holy And I just started laying hands and they would change one after another. And they began to speak in that heavenly I'm telling you, you may not, you may not want to believe it, but I've seen it happen all over this world, God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. If you just stand to your feet, I feel the anointing of God. As a matter of fact, I want every person in this house to get to this altar. I want every person, nobody leave. I want everybody in this house to flood this altar. Flood this altar and come down here. What a glorious thing that could happen is off on Pentecost Sunday, God baptized you with the Holy Ghost. So here's my simple instructions to you as you come and flood these altars. Come all the way to the front. Come all the way to the front, please. There are people coming all over. As you come, if you're already filled with the Spirit, there is a refreshing that can happen. By the way, if you're struggling with that anointing thing, you're still struggling with that anointing thing because that's something I've never preached before. But this is what God showed me this morning. David said, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. An old oil and a new oil. Y'all don't know, but I'm preaching. You just ain't figured it out yet. When he was first anointed, it was over Judah. One tribe. But when he had the second anointing, it was over all of Israel, 12 tribes. See, you can have an anointing of the Holy Spirit for Judah, for you to be like Jesus, who is the Judah. But you can also have a second anointing where your domain expands, your power expands. I ain't getting it. You'll get it later. If you're down here this morning, you say, Pastor, I've already been baptized with the Holy Ghost. You can have a refilling. I've had it happen to me a zillion times. Why don't you begin to pray right now? Why don't you begin to pray right now and say, God, refill me with the Holy Ghost. Maybe it's been a long time since you prayed in the Spirit. Why don't you ask God? Say, God, would you pray through me this morning in tongues? Maybe you say, well, I haven't prayed in tongues in a while. Well, have you asked him? Say, God, pray through me. Now yield your tongue. For the rest of you, you say, Pastor, I've never been baptized in the Holy Ghost. Can you take the word that I preached to you today and have enough faith to throw your hands up and say, God, I'm saved, but I want more. I want the baptism. I want what they got on the day of Pentecost. If it was good enough for Peter, Andrew, James, and John, then God, it's good enough for me. If you could do it for those teenagers, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. If you could do it to teenagers in San Pedro Sula and Honduras, then God, I know you'll do it for me. I'm a grown man. I'm a grown woman. Or I'm a teenager. Come on, start praying all over this house. God, fill me with the Holy Ghost. 
God, fill me with your spirit. God, give me the power that I need so you can use me. I just want to be a vessel. It's not so you can shout. It's not so you can speak in tongues, but it's so God can use you. That's why you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. All those other things are, are, are icing on the cake, but say, God, use me. Oh, God, I want to be a vessel. Oh, God, pour out your spirit on me. I want more. I want to be used by you, oh, God. Don't leave me behind. Use me in these last days. Come on, pray. I feel the Holy Ghost all over this house. Matter of fact, I want deacons, former deacons, elders, your wives. I want you to just start laying hands on people. Greg, all of you, Lynn, I need everybody. Larry, I need life group leaders. I need to part. Just start to turn around and praying for people. You have my permission to go through this church and lay hands on people and pray for people. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. There's an anointing in this house. Let's let the Holy Ghost fall in our midst. Let's have a day of Pentecost right here in high praises. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.